Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Scott and I coming to you on a Thursday night, Mile High Mailbag, Week 18. Head-to-head matchups, Week 18, Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs, the final regular season huddle-up podcast of the 2021-22 campaign. Good to see everyone. We'll get into uh, some questions, some Teddy Bridgewater talk, Drew Locke talk, everyone's favorite subjects. We'll get to your comments and uh, queries. But, Scott, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Um you know, we were do, did a little Broncos for breakfast this morning. Just, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about the offseason. I'm excited about uh, the the capital that this team has. I'm excited for the hope and change that this team uh, could have coming and all of the resources at the disposal of the Denver Broncos and George Payton. Right. So, you know, it's kind of strange, but, you know, I'm, I'm built that way. I grew up an Atlanta sports fan in the 80s. Our teams were terrible. I look forward to this process. It's how I got here, where I am professionally. Yeah, this is always an exciting time of mine personally, uh, of the offseason. I love the rumors. I love the coaching rumors, player rumors. We got free agency in March. We have the combine in February. We have the senior bowl, which you'll be at. I think it's later this month, right? End of the month? Yeah, it's uh, it's like the 31st this year. So thir- I think I'll be down there the later. 31st, 1st, and 2nd, or the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is when the practices are, when all that really matters. It's going to be an exciting time in Broncos country. Hopefully, we have a coaching search to look forward to. We don't know that necessarily yet. Reports are still 50-50 as to whether Vic Fangio is coming back for another year. Some of that could be determined in Saturday's game. I'm not going to mess it up today. Against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but you mentioned the resources the Broncos have. To put a uh, a bow on that, $48 million in projected salary cap room and 11 total draft picks, including four right now in the top 100. That's... And- and Zach, if I'm not mistaken, the 22 million from this year rolls over. So you could be talking about 70 million in cap room, and you're hoping about 35 of that goes to a quarterback. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can 
find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we ha- I had the story today that a former NFL scout predicted that the Broncos are going to trade for Kirk Cousins this coming offseason. Reuniting Cousins, of course, with George Payton. Cousins, though, has a $45 million, with an M, dollar salary cap hit for 2022, the last year of his contract. I don't know that George Payton will give up or take on that much for Kirk Cousins, but you're right. If it's Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or a premier quarterback, they have a lot of money, and if it's not a quarterback, they can sign whoever the hell they want with that much money. They can draft whoever the hell they want. If it's George Payton's baby, and we think it is, he's the boss. He's in a good catbird seat in his sophomore season as Broncos general manager. Yeah, I want to say hello to Doug as well, coming in with big stars. This is what I do in the background for these guys. Big stars coming in this morning. Took me a while to figure that out, what you were doing with your hands. Big stars. (laughs) So, and this is just say hello. Just say hello. Yeah, That one I got down pretty easy. I was like... I thought you were air big traffic stars. controlling. Just say, but Doug's coming with big stars today. So appreciate you, Doug. Thanks Thank you, for Doug. thanks for the contribution. Yeah, we're we're talking, you know, you're hoping a lot of that money goes to a quarterback, but let's say you even spend half of that money and you spend 30 million on a quarterback. You get Russell Wilson, you get Aaron Rodgers, and you're spending half of that money, and you still have 40 million left over. Well, if you go down past the top two or three guys at each position, ten million dollars usually gets you a top five player. Can you imagine adding four top five quality players top 10 even top 10 and and put them through each unit put them through different units on this team Woo! like i said it's gonna be fun you got, you got draft picks you got free agent money now do you have the staff in place do you have the will to spend that money having that money doesn't do any good if you're not going to spend it or you can't convince anybody to come take your money because the last thing you want to do is overspend and be in a bad contract in a bad situation Well, we have to also keep in mind, George Payton, through one season as general manager, he's shown a proclivity to pay his own as well. So we have to also squirrel some money away for current players the Broncos might want to bring back. You know, there's not too many extension candidates on the roster right now. They've pretty much taken care of who they're going to take care of, but I don't think he's cheap. I don't think he's frugal Scott George Payton. I think if he has the money, he's not going to blow through it. But if it means upgrading the team, I think he'll open the pocket. For me, that's where the ownership situation comes in. Okay, because just because you've got that, it's like, okay, I need I need 30 million dollars for a signing bonus. You know that you got to get somebody to write that check. You know, that's that's where the ownership situation comes in. You know, we talk about this and I don't think on the day to day, the ownership really is that big a deal. I think you and I see pretty, pretty well eye to eye on this. Having Peyton and the staff and the the, the players in place, ownership is, you know, just stay out of the way. Uh, But if I'm going to go after a big money free agent, I'm going to need somebody to say yes. And I'm going to need somebody to open up a checkbook. And that's where the comes a little questionable. Do you have, I'm not saying is is Peyton going to hold this money back. I'm saying are the Broncos, you know, as a whole, could, could that be possible? Definitely. Yeah. That's where ownership does come in. And hopefully the Broncos have that resolved sooner than later, but I I was going to grab Michaela too. Thank you so much, Michaela. 
The Duchess coming in, as she always does, with a big, big showing of generosity. $49.99 Super. Thank you so much, Michaela. Scott, she goes, I think main thing we need an owner for accountability. Problem is, like you were talking about, problem is the Bolin kids borrowed money against the value of the team, I was told. How does that affect finding an owner? In your Unless opinion? they borrowed $500 million, it's not going to be a big deal. <laughs> this... Well, you never know with Johnny Bolin, the blood of Denver. You know, he could have used the money for his escapades, but. Even, you know, when we start thinking about like the size of space, our tiny little brains really can't picture how far away and big this universe is. And that's how the billion with the B's actually are. So they borrowed $20 million to go on a, I'm not going to say on a, on a binge of some sorts, but whatever. They flush it down the drain. $20 million against $3 billion sale price is nothing. It's Damn. nothing. It's like taking your $2,000 in credit card debt, which was weighing you down as a 23-year-old coming out of college and rolling it into your first house mortgage and it ends up being a 50-cent payment for the next 30 years. It just it doesn't matter. So that doesn't really bother me as much as long as there aren't legal ties to that. When you start getting the lawyers involved who have absolutely no incentive to come up with a quick resolution because they get paid 500 bucks an hour it takes forever that is more of a concern for me one of my favorite sayings is it's it's all relative and that applies to almost every facet of life and it applies like you were saying now it applies now you know they might have taken some money out or borrowed money whatever but like you said scott when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar entity like the broncos it's it's small potatoes uh, what they took out to what, how it's going to yeah. affect the franchise. But I uh, say, okay, are these guys, you know, the, 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 the Mannings are rich. They're wealthy. You know, they're going to come up with $200 million. Well, 200 million against what? 32 out of six, you know, that's 8%. That's not even a down payment, you know, of, yeah. of, of a $3 billion valuation. I'm not even sure my little brain is able to do that much math. That might even be right. It might be 0.8%. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll take your word for it because I don't math at all. But Sam Bam hopping in here, $5 super. So good to see you, Sam. Thank you so much. Sam goes, just saying hi, go Broncos, in parentheses, hope Saturday isn't too bad. I I'm still struggling with the Saturday game. I don't know why the, the, <laughs> the NFL flexed the Broncos game, but uh you know, bad is relative because if the Broncos lose, let's say, let's just, you know, go out on a limb and say they're going to lose to Mahomes in Kansas City, better draft position and more of the chance that Vic Fangio and the coaching staff gets their pink slip. So I don't you, really think it's that bad if they lose the game. The decision has to have been made. It just, you can't say, okay, you're coaching for this one game, you know, for a result. Now, you know, you go out and Woody Hayes somebody and punch a player, that one game will cost <laughs> you, but it's not the one game then. It's, you know, your actions, but the decision has to have been made. You can't have it ride on this result because results are fluky results. You know, typically the better team's going to win and the, the Chiefs are a 10 point favorite for a reason. But you, you can't say you can't roll the dice. You're not spinning the roulette wheel on this one. You, you, you can't. The decision's been made. I could see that being the case. I just think if he's on the fence at all, George Payton, you have the game in Denver. It's the season finale. Kansas City comes and they blow you out. Second week in a row getting blown out by a divisional rival. How do you keep Fangio from that point forward? If there's, if there's any doubt in the player's mind, they'll lay down. The, the only bad in this game is if a player gets hurt. You know, yeah. Thankfully, Patrick Sertan is not playing in this game. He has a couple, in, I think two calf injuries. However, the hell that happens with Lauren Landau. But let's say, again, Javante knocking wood, he gets hurt. 
you know, blows his knee out, that's the only bad from this game. But if they lose, it's more of actually a blessing uh, than it is a curse. But we got Tom hopping in here from Canada. $5 super. Thank you, Tom. You are a legend in your own right up north. Appreciate you so much. Uh, Tom goes, in the Shermer presser yesterday, seems he regrets not starting lock this year, guys. I, I didn't... I didn't get that from Pat Shermer. I don't think he regrets anything. I don't really think he cares one way or the other. To me, he's as plain and passive as Vic Fangio is. Whether he has a job, whether he doesn't, you know, it just seems like he's going with the flow. But I think they're, based on today's press conference and the tone that Vic Fangio took, you know, I just did a half hour ago or an hour ago, the Roughing the Kicker podcast. That's the podcast with the uh, Chiefs writer Jordan Foote on the SI.com network. And we were talking about the, the just the pure uh, distaste that Vic Fangio has for Drew Locke compared to that of Teddy Bridgewater. A couple days ago, Vic Fangio said about Drew, I think he can still be a quarterback in the NFL. End of, end of quote, period. He said about Teddy today, um, I think he can be a great starting quarterback. He has all these great intangibles and this and that. It's just so one-sided. And I think they're both convinced of themselves that they made the right call going with Teddy and not Drew Locke. Yeah. I don't really think they have that much regret. We we talked about that this this morning, just about, you know, one of the one of the themes on here that I hear Chad say a lot is, you know, at least you would have known. At, right. at least you would have known if you had played this. But they don't have anything to prove to us. In their minds, they already know. You know, they 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 don't need any more convincing. They knew coming into the season after a year of Drew Locke last year, they already knew whether they were right or wrong, they knew they couldn't win and couldn't be a playoff team with Drew Locke a quarterback. They don't they, they're not obligated to prove that to us. Tom, appreciate the uh the the super on that. And Travis coming in with some stars saying evening Zach and Scott just ready for the offseason, the speculation until we find out the answers. It was one of my favorite parts of football, the draft and free agency. Mine, mine too. I uh yeah I love and it's one of the reasons, you know, whether you like soccer or not the general manager aspects of international football are absolutely outstanding. They're so much fun. You could, there's a, there's a game called football manager and because there's so much more player power, which makes it more interesting. It's like, Oh man, Bradley Chubb's a free agent next year. I will just tag him. Well, that's kind of boring. You know, there's, there's so much more player power and mobility. It's a lot closer to baseball and free agency that way. Um, but yeah, this is, this is my favorite time of the year, especially when we're looking at teams, you know, in the bottom picking in the in the top ten and the bottom ten who's they've just been playing so meh since the the three and a start. You know, about about at about three and two, it just seemed like all right. This I don't know. This team really wants to play for this guy. That was three months ago. Yeah, I mean, covering the Broncos, this is annually my favorite time of the year when there is a potential coaching change or quarterback change, roster turnover. Figures to be a lot of that this year. I want to just make one more point about Drew Locke, and then we'll get to Teddy Bridgewater. We have a little bit of his presser we want to pull up. Uh, he had his last presser with the Broncos today. Um, when I was on the podcast uh, with Jordan earlier today, the, the Kansas City podcast, even he, Scott, mentioned the same exact talking point that Chad and I have and you and I and Chad have for months now at least if you would have started Drew Locke, you would have known one way or the other what well, he see, can I don't, be. I don't, I don't have that feeling because, like I, like I just said, they feel, and I think Peyton's part of this too. I really do. They think they know. They know. They knew. They but don't they have don't. anything to prove to us. <laughs> that You guys might still have doubts, but they don't have to prove that to us. So if you're one of these trust the coaches kind of people, which I'm not, 
by any stretch of the imagination, they knew. They already knew. Now, whether that turns out to be right or wrong, only Drew Locke can tell us that over the course of the rest of his career because we knew what we were getting with Teddy, and that's what we got. We got that with Teddy. We got average Teddy. to slightly below average quarterback play, which was a step up from what you had last year. Yeah, I just think it's so eye-opening that someone from the outside who covers a, another team can see how the Broncos have bungled their quarterback selection and mm -hmm. just the overall bias they showed Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. It's so glaring, and that's why partly why outside fan bases, outside media think of Denver as nothing more than a laughingstock. And until Vic Fangio is gone, uh, that's not going to change. But, Scott, let's get into Teddy Bridgewater's presser. Let's pull up a little clip that we yeah, have. Yeah, it, uh, it was the title of the show. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater won a person of the year, great person or nice guy of the year or something like that. And one of the questions great. he was asked was, um, you know, how have you been trying to help Drew Locke now and, and what have you seen uh, since you have been on the sidelines? Thanks. Drew is is found that love for the game again. Um, oftentimes, you know, I was in the same situation before where it took for me to uh, not be starting for me to find that love and that that joy for the game again. And um, we talked, and you know, um, that's just been the theme of our conversations. He's having fun out there. You love to see it. Uh, he's matured in so many ways. You see him protecting the ball and things like that. So. Um, now, I'm excited that you know all of his hard work throughout this year is finally on display, and um, he's going out there and getting a chance to compete. Oh, sorry, fell asleep. <laughs> but, <laughs> I had to. Don't you want to run through a wall now, Scott? I mean, good guy and all, and good teammate, but God, he's so boring. He doesn't inspire any sort of juice but listen guys you don't take it from us take it from literally teddy bridgewater who vanquished drew lock for the starting job he has grown number three has in several different ways and he's blossoming into his own and even teddy said you know when you're a young quarterback in the nfl going through adversity you're gonna hit more uh valleys than you are peaks you're gonna go through more downs than ups and teddy took his lumps and he went on to become what he is now a journeyman starting quarterback very rich very rich that's man right. that's very right rich man is what he became when carolina lost her minds and gave him a 66 million dollar contract but that's the whole point of what i was saying earlier i mean take it from teddy let Locke develop a little longer in his career and then judge him based on that he his his best is probably still yet to come I don't think we saw the best of Drew Locke yet. I know we saw the best of Teddy Bridgewater, but we don't know. Once again, this is hopefully the last time we have to address this, but we don't know. And I think based on what Teddy's saying there, it, the future is looking brighter than many think for Drew. Well, and and, and to, to give uh, Teddy Bridgewater some credit, I remember something that Drew Locke had said earlier, said, you know, what, what have you learned from Teddy was a question. He was going through... You know, just, uh, you know, he's pointing things out to me in film sessions and doing this. And he said kind of with a wry smile, he goes, I've never had anybody like that before. You know, so I, I think he came into the league with, was it Flacco? Who was the, the starting, yeah. that, that, that was a quarterback? So Good times. that was a vague shot at Flacco when comparing him, uh, a loose shot at Flacco saying that he's not nearly the teammate that Teddy Bridgewater is. Well, Scott, I know you probably didn't have both eyes on the Broncos in 2019, but Joe Flacco said, I'm not going to be a mentor to a younger quarterback and <laughs> literally and figuratively turned his back on Drew Locke. Wouldn't yeah. even acknowledge him on the sidelines. So, so I don't blame him for having so a better Maybe it wasn't that veiled a shot at Joe Flacco <laughs> when he says, I never had a guy like, I've never had a teammate like Teddy before. 
you know, I've never had somebody to mentor. So, so yeah, I picked up on that pretty quickly without knowing that what you just said already. Well, think about that, though. He comes into the NFL, the quarterbacks ahead of him are Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen. The second year of the quarterback ahead of him is Jeff Driscoll. Or, you know, or, or he doesn't really have anyone he can lean on. And even so, Teddy is not the guy he needs to be mentored by. Teddy is the complete antithesis of the quarterback that Drew Locke is, but at least he's giving him the time of day. At least he's but helping him out. It's a little different because if you look at, you know, successful catcher, successful managers, a lot of them were backup minor league catchers. You know, so Teddy has had to get by without having the raw talent and arm talent that Drew Locke has. So if he can take some of the this is how I got here. These are the things I've had to do to make up for my deficiencies that if you can do even better, you can be better than I ever was. Um, so, you know, having, having Teddy around, I think was probably a pretty good year for, for Drew Luck on the whole for his future. Maybe not this year. Like Teddy said, it, it, it can be tough when you're a backup. It sucks. Um, but, you know, I, I think Teddy will be super positive. Again, he, he came in in his first year and wins this award. That tells you a lot about Teddy Bridgewater, the person and the teammate, even if he isn't very, isn't much as a quarterback. Nah, good guy, but not a franchise guy. Uh, Orange Colored Glasses, that's a newer name, I believe, Scott. Don't recognize that username uh, too often around these parts, but he wants to know. They want to know. I don't want to assume. Why does everyone assume Locke won't be a Bronco next season? He has another year on his rookie contract. He does. But look at how the Broncos have done him. If Vic Fangio comes back, you know he has no shot of playing at all. And even with the new coaching staff, they didn't handpick Locke. They didn't develop Locke. They don't have any investment toward Locke. If Nathaniel Hackett comes in and doesn't get A-Rod, for example, he's going to probably want to be on the selective process of getting his guy, whether that could be a Kenny Hackett, a Kenny Hackett, Kenny Pickett, uh, Matt Corral, anyone in the draft. So Locke may come back as a backup, but when you have a different coaching staff that has no investment in you or your current coaching staff that has no faith in you, you're kind of up craps Creek. Yeah. I think in part of that, exactly as Zach is saying is to a certain extent, he's viewed as damaged goods. Right. Um, and, a, and a fresh start somewhere else might be great. That, that said a really good game against the chiefs and the way he's handling and working with his teammates and all the stuff that he's doing and showing his maturity, his biggest advocates will be in the locker room. It will, will be, you know, his own teammates. So uh, the thought process is, is just to reiterate what Zach says. If someone comes in, he may want his own guy. If someone comes in, he can't bring his own guy. He may want to draft his own guy. Um, but Locke, again, he's the only one under contract. He's the only one that is under contract with the Denver Broncos. And of all the guys we talk about, he's the only one that right now is a Denver Bronco in 2022. So he's he's got a shot for sure. And Miguel came in with some stars a little bit. And you're... Love you, Miguel. I think you're sitting at number one right now on Facebook stars. You can't bring it up, but I'd be hard pressed to believe anybody has jumped you with the support you show in the morning and the evenings. But Miguel says, sup fellas. What do you think of Cliss saying that benching Darby and PS2 is a sign Fangio thinks he's coming back? They're hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's why they're not playing. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think even Fangio is smart enough to realize when you have a player like PS2, why risk his future for a meaningless game? And the uh, same thing for Ronald Darby. He's the high-priced cornerback they went after. I don't think there's any signs. I, I truly, maybe I'm naive, I don't think a decision has been made yet on Vic Fangio. I, I think truly George Payton wants to see how they respond in this last game at home 
against Kansas City, and maybe he's has a rough idea of where he wants to go, but I just think the result of this game one way or the other could sway. I think if there was a game, if there was a turning point, I pointed to it earlier, it was the Cincinnati Bengals. That was the one. That was the game. If you win that game, you can launch forward and you can make a run in the playoffs. You can save your job. You've lost. This is it. also pretty true too. I mean, Cliss is doing Vic Fangio. He's carrying the water for Vic Fangio. So I, I really wouldn't put too much into what Mike Cliss is saying right now. He's a great reporter in his own right. He has sources up the wazoo, but he's also doing the dirty work for the current <laughs> Broncos uh, um, coaches. But Fangio did say if this injury had happened earlier, it probably would be enough to keep uh, Sertan out for two or three games. Right. So Both calves, means, however that happens. Yeah, I don't know how you do uh, two of them unless, you know, you're cramping up in both calves, which happens, and you try and play through it, and you strain both of them, which which is which is possible. Uh, Sam Bam, I don't think we, we, we saw did. you coming in. Just just saying goodbye. That. You did, because I remember you saying, I hope Saturday isn't too bad. Um, coming through in it. And speaking of newer names, Jacob Foster, uh, I feel like I recognize a picture, but I don't recognize a name. But thank you for the stars, my friend. Appreciate your, your support, and welcome yes, welcome sir. to the show. Uh, I saw a comment from Kenny that I wanted to grab here. Kenny goes, appreciate you hopping in with us tonight, Kenny Patterson. How lo- how long in the world can people like Jerry Judy be so supportive of Teddy Bridgewater at the start of the year? Whole season with no TDs. Our receivers have below average numbers because of Teddy Bridgewater. I put it out there after the uh, last week's game against the Chargers. Cortland Sutton has more receiving yards in the last two games, both of which with Drew Locke. 93, not a lot, but more in the last two games than the last six that he had with Teddy Bridgewater. They're not conducive to what they want to do. I mean, they they have no idea. They're putting square pegs and round holes all over the place. They have a dynamic offense with dynamic receivers they don't use. A dynamic backfield they don't get the most squeeze out of. So to answer your question, Kenny, in in a shorter form, Pat Shermer. Yeah, I uh, I was trying to say, because, you know, I, I listen to this and I'm watching. I'm like, all right, are we going to blame Teddy Bridgewater for throwing short when then Drew Locke comes in and does the exact same thing? Or do we point to right. a bigger right. cost? You know, maybe they're just following instructions. But then I did. I went and looked at, at Teddy's career numbers and they're pretty close as far as yards per attempt and yard, yards per uh, yards per completion. It's Drew Locks that have come way down. So. Again, the the phrase I, I, I shared with you all in the morning, a good Southern phrase about, you know, having somebody with, with too much energy as opposed to that's lazy is it's a whole lot easier to put a bit in their mouth than a boot in their ass. So with Drew Locke, if you can rein in the mistakes, which now he's done. All right. Now let's open the faucet a little bit more. We've we've he hasn't had only he's had a turnover in these last three games. Now let's now let's 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 dial it back up a little bit and let him have some fun again. What you got nothing to lose. I know, I know we were poking fun at that a little bit last night on the board. Nothing to lose. Um, but for sure now, Drew Locke has absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, the team can go out there and play loose and have fun. Man, let it rip. Grip it and rip it. Yeah. I just think coming up with the mantra of nothing to lose after you're eliminated from the playoffs is peak Vic Fangio. I'm sorry. But Boise Man hopping in here, $10 super. Good to see you, Boise. Thank you so much for your generosity as always. Come on, Locke, show out. Great season of fantasy this year. Just couldn't overcome losing McCaffrey. Bro, I lost Derrick Henry. I lost Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I lost Lamar Jackson. I was starting like Ramondre Stevenson at one point and Tyler Boyd. This year was not kind to me for fantasy, but I I think Boise 
I don't know if that was you versus Michaela in the finals. I know Michaela won, though. She's the champ of this year. But you did do uh, really well. Everyone had a great time this year in the Fantasy League. And he goes, Zach, I want to start and run an MHH Dynasty League for us next year. Could be epic. Boise, we'll talk about that as it gets closer. But I have no problem relinquishing my commissioner duties if you want to take oh, that. Being a commissioner is a pain in the ass. It really is. It really is. I, I wear too many hats as it is. So if you want to do that, we'll we'll definitely have a discussion. And Lawrence coming in. Uh, so good evening, Lawrence. Appreciate you being here, and thank you for the stars. What up, guys? Cool to see you guys paired together. Yeah, Appreciate it is. Uh, Zach and I see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, and then we differ on several things, and we're both strong enough personalities. It can be a lot of fun. I think it can be a, a good mix because, again, when we're we're talking opinions, I'm never going to tell you I'm right. I'll tell you what I think, and uh, then it's up to you to decide, and then, and then we'll see whether we're right so I, I have a lot of fun doing this show we've i think this is at least the second time that zach and i have been yeah. on together and the first time went had, had a really good time doing it so appreciate you being here but i'm kind of thinking vic is using a scapegoats this offseason and coming back that to me that is him interviewing for other jobs on the spot yeah i had a lot of injuries yeah you know we're talking about him throwing the 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 quarterbacks under the bus or, you know, the office is this. And to me, it sounds like instead of putting it on Drew Locke, you know, when he's talking about the offense, isn't finding any rhythm, this, I, I honestly think he's dissing himself from the blunder of the hire that was Pat Shermer. So every time you hear Locke, when you hear offense, change that to Shermer and see if it still makes sense. Cause that's where I think he's going with some of this stuff. You know, it's one thing if you want to scapegoat a coach that you had no hand in selecting, but like you picked Pat Shermer. That's why I called it the blunder of his own hire. You condone Tom McMahon. You pick the quarterback. I had a tweet today that every Broncos glaring issue can be traced back directly to Vic Fangio. Not John Elway, even though he, he picked Fangio, but not George Payton. Vic Fangio, it all falls at his feet. I don't think they're scapegoating anyone. I think George Payton... Even, you know, that was what I was talking about with Schefter's reporting earlier today when terming Vic Fangio as the fall guy if they fire him. I, I mean, how are you the fall guy when you're the culprit? You can't be the victim and be the suspect at the same time. Yeah, Vic Fangio is the suspect. You can't, can't blame the chef when you were the one who shot for all the groceries, too. Um, exactly. And there's a, there's a certain kind of mantra I've thought of in a long time ago. So people with talent have a lot of trouble making hires in their field because they take their talent for granted. You ever seen the really good basketball players or really good baseball players? They, they're not good coaches because they don't understand why people can't do what they can do. And they end up kind of hiring personalities instead of being able to spot the actual talent and coaching because they take it for granted. So if you look at this coaching staff, it's, it's not good. And who made those hires? If you're willing to say that Vic Fangio is a very, very good defensive mind, then what I'm saying starts to make a little sense. He takes his being able to scheme and see these things on the whole, takes it a little bit for granted. And then he makes bad hires because he doesn't understand why people can't see it the way he does. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm reaching on this. No. Either way, he's made bad hires. And part of the job of being a head coach is picking the people around you. And you don't get one without the other. So therefore, got to go. Incompetent is drawn to incompetent. I mean, how could you expect Fangio to rise above his own incompetence? It's impossible. You know, it's almost like journalism. Let me just speak from from experience. Going to school for journalism is a waste of time. I don't want to discourage anyone, but you either have it or you don't. 
And I'm applying this to Vic Fangio. You either are a natural leader of men as a head coach or you're not. You can't really learn to become one. And he's not proven to be that. He is the reason why the Broncos are where they are right now. There's no yeah. other finger pointing. It needs to come back right to Vic Fangio's face. Well, and the, the, the phrase around good leadership is always try and, and, and surround yourself with people smarter than you. And Failure. he struck me earlier in this year as basically petty and insecure. You're never going to do that if that's your personality. You're always going to try and have people around you that aren't going to challenge you, that you don't feel threatened by, that don't make you paranoid, more paranoid. And it's a the number one job, the, the two jobs for me for coaches, my two criteria. I know you, you're you're talking about a, a leader of of quarterbacks who's going to develop the quarterback. My two are man management. You know, do these guys want to play for you? And two, who do you hire around you? Those are my those are my big two. And he's he's a Big F on both of those. F for Fangio. I, I think my assumption was that if you can develop a quarterback, you can pretty much lead a team. You know, if you have yeah. that capability, then you can be a head coach. Mm -hmm. But Peyton Chapman hopping in here, 499 Super. That's a relatively new name. Maybe I'm just, I have amnesia no, I believe, tonight. I believe so. So welcome, Peyton. Appreciate great, you being here. Great first name. Appreciate having you on here, as always. Or if this is your first time, welcome. I really want this young team to be successful because these guys work, but... But butts, butts, but Vic and Shermer are holding us back. Yeah, big time. Again, I talked about this. Scott's talked about this. Chad has talked about this. Everyone who's watched the Broncos knows this is a playoff caliber roster. Take away even the quarterback and Teddy or Drew Locke. The rest of the talent on the roster is a 10-win caliber. And the only reason why they're not, and from my point of view, is Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer. It's not cliche at this point i'm not beating a dead horse i think most can come around to that consensus if tampa bay can win a super bowl with trent dilfer as quarterback the denver broncos can make the playoffs when there's seven spots and you just have to go nine and eight <laughs> I, I mean literally jared goff has been to a super bowl J jimmy garoppolo has been rex to a super grossman bowl. rex grossman there's been so many examples i know it's a quarterback league but if you have that truly elite level coaching you can get by pretty far so, and Sam coming in, double dipping. Appreciate you, Thank Sam. You, Sam. Says, how much say do you think the players have in keeping or firing a coach? Do you think George Payton will consult some or a lot of the Broncos that are expected to be on the team long-term about keeping Fangio? I think he might test the waters a little bit. And if I was, uh, I would have an exit interview with uh, with Von Miller, you know, a longtime Bronco. You know, hey, what do you think about the, the you're on your way out, you know, unload. What do you think? I, I would hope he did an exit <laughs> interview with him on something like that. And the, the, the team has an indirect say with how they play, with how right. they line up and they play every week. And I think the first time I said it was probably week five or week six. These guys don't look like they want to play for this coaching staff. I knew, I knew it was over when the first Raiders game, when you lose to an interim head coach and you lose that badly, I, I just, and then the Cleveland game, I, I saw the downturn. If if Vic Fangio has Von Miller as a reference, that's not a good sign for Vic Fangio because Vic's very first presser, he came out and started criticizing Von, saying he could be better. So, um, George, it would be smart. It's a good point, Sam. It would be smart to talk to the veteran players that have been around since 2019, not necessarily the rookies, but the guys that have come up with Vic since he's been head coach and kind of gotten the feel. But um, even if he's well-respected, what he does on Sundays, on game days, on the sideline, that to me is the bigger barometer. So hopefully George Payton uh, has watched the games this year.
Uh, and, you know, I'd ask Kareem Jackson, you know, somebody like that who might be yeah. a, a Vic guy. I, I would right. try and find as Both part sides. of being a general manager is yeah. having all your, it's basically like the intelligence business. You got to be a spy. Yeah. You got to have, you want information coming from everywhere. Then you want to sift through it and find out who's trustworthy and who's not and come to your own conclusions. So yes, he should be tapping that in for sure. A question from Manny Wise here who wants to know, uh, who would you guys want to take over the defense once Fangio is gone? Well, Manny, uh, maybe Scott and I differ. Uh, I know Chad and I do a little bit about Vic. I don't see him being this like Hall of Fame level defensive mastermind or guru. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. I wouldn't even say great defensive coordinator. So um, maybe you'd want to look at one of his assistants right now on the current staff, or maybe on Brandon Staley's staff, because that's a Vic, Vic Fangio system. But anyone that can get production out of the defensive players, I don't want to rank 19th and 23rd in sacks and takeaways anymore. I want to be in the top 10 with that talent. When you have players like Draymond Jones, when you have Bradley Chubb, when you have Simmons and Bryce Callahan, Patrick Sertan, I mean, I'm forgetting a lot of them right now, and you have that much talent, and you rank so low, that's unacceptable to me. Scoring defense is one thing, so whoever they bring in, I don't think Ed Donatel, um, I I see Chase mentioning Donatel, I think he's going to go, he's so loyal to Fangio, uh, he's going to go wherever Vic does, um, but whoever they hire, maybe Mike Zimmer, if they bring in a rookie like uh, Kellen Moore and Nathaniel Hackett, they bring in a veteran defensive coordinator. Anyone that's going to get the most juice out of the squeeze. Uh, Scott, you would know better than I do. I don't think anyone was hailing Dan Quinn as a defensive mastermind in Atlanta or what he's done in his career. He gets to Dallas, though, and look at the, look uh, at the he, production he's He got he's that getting. job for what he did with the Seattle Seahawks defense, which was part of what was happening under under Pete Carroll, you know, a defensive guy. <clears throat> but... um. I, I think this I think this defense is is a lot better than you you give it credit for. I think they I mean I, it's not just the points per game. I get that because they play suffer ball as as I like to call it. You know when you're everybody's taking long drives. There's only so many possessions. The scores are going to come down. That's just basic math. But when you're getting so little help from your offense, it's deflating. It just, it is. I, the, the, the best example I ever remember, I was 25 years old. I'm watching the 1998 Auburn Tigers. Their defense was freaking awesome. And they lost eight games by three scores. Because come third and fourth quarter, they got tired of three and outs. They get worn down. And you're the, I think that the defense would show better if the offense would help them out at all. And the other part of that is, the, if you look at the, a front seven and a three-four, your entire back four, your four linebackers, your two edge guys and your two inside linebackers has been decimated by injuries. Where would the pressures and the sacks and the turnovers be if Bradley Chubb and Von Miller were half of what we thought they were going to be this year? Half. So I'm willing to give them a, a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but I'm also a, a Jimmy's and Joe's guy, and you got the most expensive defense behind you. They ought to be pretty good. <laughs> my, my thing is, though, even when those players were around, though, when there were no excuses, they still weren't getting turnovers. So when things are going perfectly, when the offense is scoring points even, uh, the defense still isn't doing anything to change the complexity of a game. I mean, like you mentioned it yourself, highest paid defense, defensive mm-hmm. mastermind of the controls. When is the last time the defense won a game for Denver? When is the last time Denver's defense stepped up in the clutch? I literally cannot think of that. No, we mentioned we pathetic. mentioned a couple of, of pretty average quarterbacks and Trent Dilfer and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, they had they had Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and guys out there just wreaking havoc, winning games on their own. The Baltimore Ravens, 
who was the quarterback for that team that the Ravens won with that defense? It, it didn't matter Gilford. who the quarterback was, but it was another guy. And those are the type of defenses you're talking about that are just winners. This this is a hold. This I, I think I asked this question before. You know, this if you're playing not to win, not to lose on you're offense, lose. you're playing not to lose on defense. Where do the wins come from? Tom McMahon. That's where that's where they come from. <laughs> Special teams. But we got we got 727 Mill hopping in 499 Super. Appreciate you, Mill, so much. Uh, he goes, Hope Fangio and the crew are gone after Saturday. I don't like advocating for people to lose their jobs in this day and age, but uh if there's one guy who deserves his walking papers, I do think it is Vic Fangio. When they get seven figure payouts and they've made more money in one year than I'll make in my whole life, right. I don't feel too bad for yeah. them. And Time's that's kind of what and honestly, that's where, you know, Fangio is, you know, I mean, where, what do you think Shermer's bank account looks like? Hadn't he been a head coach twice yeah. by now? And you have two separate, that's, that's eight figures yeah. minimum. You're talking 25 million in contracts. He's probably gone through already. They're going to be okay. Don't feel bad for them. Yeah. Don't, don't cry for, for uncle Vic. We got mile high kid one $10 super. Thank you so much. Uh, he goes, Hey guys, if we get an offensive mind, do you think Vic Fangio's players that came with him from Chicago leave? Thanks for the show guys. Well, I mean, who really came with him that you care about all that much? Maybe Bryce Callahan, but he can't stay healthy. Kyle Fuller can go with him. Um, who am I even missing <laughs> that tag along with the free agents? And there's some, there's some good names on this list that you're, you're going to want to bring some of those guys back. Um, for sure. But, uh, again, the core guys, the guys that you really want, they, they've got contracts. Where are they going? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tie, I'm not going to tie my roster building process to Vic Fangio or the players. If they want to leave with him, they can leave with him. I want to, I want players that want to play for the Broncos regardless of the coach. So uh, I think George Payton knows that. Andrew coming in with some stars. Appreciate it. Andrew says never advocating a loss. So let's go Broncos. Again, as you're watching, your heart will take over. You'll be rooting for the Broncos. The last game of the season, don't hold anything back. Best of luck to Locke, which we heard all season he's done in Denver. But maybe now, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. I'm not convinced that he's, he's done. He's cheap. He's got, uh, some, he's got good tools. Experience. And he's under contract for a year. There's nothing, nothing to lose there. So unless he's causing a problem in the, in the locker room, which we haven't heard a peep of, all year. And if anybody's had any reason to complain a little bit, probably Drew Locke. He he, he would have a reason to pop off in the media a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> always taken. He's taken the high road um, anytime he's given the chance. So good for him. Um, maybe he's not done. Maybe he's not. So, um, again, your your heart will tell you, I want to win this game while you're watching. And then if Kansas City, if and when Kansas City wins, your brain will tell you, all right, we're picking 10. I'm I'm okay with that. We're, we're we're getting a ten pick out of it. I can live with that. There there's still not one Broncos player, past or present, that has come out and badmouthed Drew Locke. Not one. The, the closest was Jerry Judy, and that was more of a shot at Pat Shermer. The thing about I wanted to mention this earlier. I would bring him back as a backup for sure. I mean, that's a pretty good backup to have. But based on the way Drew is talking, and based on the way he's kind of playing recently, he wants a starting job. I, you know, he's. I don't want to say demanding a trade or he's going to demand a trade, but he's talking like he's not going to settle for a backup job. So the Broncos might have no choice but to have their hands forced and to deal lock to a team that uh, will take advantage of his strengths. Yeah. Hopefully, but he, and if he does ask for a trade, he's handled it the right way. He, he went about his scenes, job yeah. this year. Ed was a quality professional backup quarterback. Got a chance to start. 
and is doing all the right things, playing hurt, doing all these things. And if he says, listen, I want a chance to start. Is it okay if my agent uh, starts making some phone calls? Vic Fan- or, uh, George Payton would say, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And, you know, to your point about your heart taking over watching the game, that'll happen up until the first head-scratching Vic Fangio decision or Pat Shermer call, and you'll be like, forget these guys. I hope they lose. I can't stand I know. this season. And, and there's part of it where, you know, what was the old line was it the Offspring song, the more you suffer, the more it shows we really care. You know, where you're just like, about the time that, that they go up 10 points, you're like, just blow them out. I don't even care anymore. Just Misery loves company, baby. <laughs> I'm going gonna, gonna to enjoy it. The, the old... Uh, the the uh, the masochistic part of it. Uh, listen, I, I bring it on. I can take it. So again, just don't get anybody hurt for God's sakes. Uh, Broncos football. Catch the stars. I think it's good morning to you now. And now it's Broncos for breakfast in Cambodia with Peter. How did the Broncos actually win this game? The wide receivers are fine, finally playing better under lock, but he hasn't got the OL to support him. Uh I I think offensive line is so much about. Your, your offensive line coach, strength conditioning, which shouldn't be a factor at this stage of their careers and having the right guys. And I said it before, every time I watch the offensive line, the, the, they are getting pushed back a yard every time. They get no push. It's hard. Where's the running game gone? It's gone into their backfield. That's, that's where it's gone. Uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are having to make guys miss two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, it's, it's tough. It is tough. So, you know, they, they were, there were, there's not a lot of fear of getting in behind. You know, that was one of the thoughts we had. Zach was like, okay, with Locke coming in, he should stretch the field a little more, but he hadn't been allowed to throw the ball downfield a whole lot. So they're just, and, and even, even in a four wide set, all the guys are inside the numbers. They run a bunch three right outside the tight end. It's like, man, where is the space out there? Spread the field, use your playmakers. Instead, they're playing in a phone booth. It's hard to do anything in a phone booth. Yeah, except become Superman. How do the Broncos win this game? Pretty simple. You have to hope that Patrick Mahomes ends up on I-95 caught in that traffic jam snowstorm. <laughs> Regardless, I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle. Kansas City is still fighting for their playoff positioning. They want nothing more than to sweep Denver, you know, at Denver and drive the final nail through Vic Fangio's uh, tenure as Broncos coach. And they're playing much better football than people give them credit for. That's why I never bought into that when they were struggling earlier in the season. Oh, the NFL figured them out. Mahomes is washed. No, he he figured the NFL out once again. He's beating teams that are playing cover two shells now and trying to take away the deep ball. They're still putting up 35, 40 points a game. It's going to be a problem for the Broncos. Once again, though, I, I don't care what happens. Just no injuries, please. <laughs> Does it really matter? Does it really matter? Just as long as what, what matters is Monday afternoon. I think that's one of the questions we get. How, how soon could this happen? I think Monday by noon, mountain time, you should know. You should know. That that should be the time. Yeah. Um, I don't think any I don't think anything will happen. I think George Payton is too classy of an individual, you know, to to make Lane Kiffin find his own way home like they did at USC when he got fired he wasn't allowed back on the bus <laughs> um that's the way not to do funny. It. sorry um but I, I think it I think it'll happen on on Monday and ZW designs thank you sir appreciate you appreciate, appreciate you. the the super and the support and we got two here from ZW okay there we go dollar 99 super thank you Zachary best name in the entire world he goes I want lock because he brings so much positivity does that positivity mesh, though, with Vic Fangio and Saltine Shermer? Well, the move, answer is no, move, it doesn't. Move the next year. Those guys are gone. Does Can Locke take that next step? I mean, for all of this talk about Locke, 
he hasn't done it on the field. He he hasn't. You know, last year he was a 31 or 32 quarterback. This year, he even his his so far in you know three plus games, his good games are okay. They're not, oh my God, I've got to have this guy. So we're still selling hopes and dreams on Drew Locke. He still hasn't shown it. So does that positivity translate to production? Because that guy can be the biggest ass in the world and you'll love him on your own team if he's throwing four touchdowns a game. He's winning, exactly. Winning cures all. But yeah, I just never understood the criticism that he was rapping or dancing on the sideline when he was winning. I mean, he loves the game and he's having fun about it. Just playing in the game, you know, fans will find a reason. What to was, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention then. I didn't know what was this like, oh, it's unprofessional or what was, who cares? I, I never let the kids that. play. Don't they say that in MLB? Let the kids play. We got Nathan uh, chiming in $2 super. Thank you so much, Nathan. Hope you're having a great Thursday. Any favorite memories uh, from the former Broncos defensive coordinator, Greg Robinson's time, the late, unfortunately, former Broncos DC, Greg Robinson, uh, Nathan, I can speak for myself and say we covered this last night on the Huddle Up podcast, and Chad gave a great, I don't want to say eulogy, but a remembrance of Robinson's time with the Broncos. And also, I think Lance had the article for MHH, so I would I would recommend reading that. Try not to, don't want to do that any disservice uh, after they did it so much better. Exactly. Um, Jose coming in, saying hello from Joint Base McGuire in New Jersey. Go Broncos, we need Dayball in here. Stick with Locke as a backup to a veteran quarterback like Cousins, Rogers, or Wilson. Demote Fangio to defensive coordinator. There are no demotions like that in the NFL. It doesn't happen. He's got a contract to be the head coach, and head coaches do not stick around to be defensive coordinator, nor would you want him to, because it would be a humongous distraction. He would have his loyalties in his own camp, and he would you wouldn't want him around. So not only is it contractually impossible, it's logistically, theoretically, all kinds of impossible, will not, won't happen. If he rehabilitates his career like a lot of these guys do, it will be as a defensive coordinator for someone else. But at his age, I'm not even sure if that's feasible, Zach. Guys, look at me in the eyes right now, okay? I'm going to say this (laughs) one more time. It is not going to happen. There is no way Fangio comes back as the Broncos. Josh McDaniels came in and kept Fangio. Could that happen? Why would Fangio want to work <laughs> under Josh McDaniels? Like John Jim Harbaugh is another one. That was the rumor from Woody Page that Jim's going to come in and hire his old buddy to run the defense. And Vic, I mean, Vic's ego is is can fill this room I'm sitting in right now. There's no way he'd work under anyone. He wants to run the defense and be the head coach. So once again, guys, look at me in my eyes right now. There is no chance in hell that's going to happen. Okay, okay. Uh, so you're telling me there's a chance? No, I'm telling you there's no chance. And Look at that. It's one of those doesn't belong. Cousins, Rogers, and Russell Wilson. That's let's find the one that doesn't belong there. Well, you know what, though? If you looked at the stats this year, you wouldn't be sure. You'd know that two don't belong. The one that wouldn't belong would be that's Aaron Rodgers because he's so much better than the other guys. Fair point. It's a fair point. Uh, Boise double or triple dipping. Uh, I think Thank double you. on this one. So, man, I love being commissioned. Yeah, I'm the one that gets smashed in the final. Second place isn't bad. I can see Lot getting one more year if a new head coach can't get a veteran and doesn't like the rookie quarter quarterback class. Uh, like like we said, he's the only one with a contract, so it's uh, right now your most logical quarterback choice for next year is Drew Locke. Yeah, right now I think are the operative words. And you know, Boise, you mentioned losing in the finals. I I would take that versus I missed the playoffs by one game and I had a loss by point. 
three points to Chase Wellner. So I think my struggle is a little worse, uh, but congrats making it that far in fantasy. It was a hard season this year. I think I lost one year in the finals on Corey Dillon getting dropped for a three-yard loss on his final carry in garbage time. I got, I got, I think I lost on one of those. I would have retired. Um, from but fantasy. Shane coming in and kind of reiterating what I was saying. So Scott makes a good point as far as evaluating players and coaches for Fangio. The reason Elway couldn't find a quarterback to save his life is he couldn't see how people couldn't live up to his talents and skills at the position. The first time I really had this theory was I think when Magic Johnson took a crack at being coach of the Lakers and he was awful. You know, people can't do what he can do. They, and, and, he, and he takes it. He takes a lot of those things for granted. I think I heard someone, uh, I don't remember even who it was, but that an antidote came along. It's like, but you know, coach, I, I can't do that the way you do. You just do this, this, and this. Was like, I, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not you. So I think, you know, I think there's something to it. That's why I said it, but you know, you take people with talent, take talent for granted. They just take it for granted. Uh, what one one of the downfalls of uh, Elway's quarterback uh, evaluation was that he was trying to find himself in every quarterback. He was looking for his own, you know, his self, his qualities, his arm I've talent. I've seen maybe two that. since him. That's what drew him to Drew Locke, though. You know, that's he loved the big arm. He loved the, the gunslinger. Drew. Drew's not on that level. So it no. is a good point for sure. The the two. I mean, because we're talking about. One of the greatest arm, the two measuring sticks I had always used for quarterback arm strength was John Elway and Brett Favre. And the the one closest that I can think of since then that, you know, and I haven't watched as closely the last this, you know, the guys that are in now, um, you know, for throwing on the run, it was Steve Young, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is in there. But, you know, Matthew Stafford had an arm coming out like that, that that was very that had the same type of zip and pop and. You know, they're splitting the webbing in guys' hands and they're having to tape up their fingers like you hear about Brett Favre. It was Elway and Elway and Favre, and those guys are just different. They're just different. I mean, they Elway's are... making throws that other guys wouldn't even think about. I can't make that throw. Are you joking? Roll right, right and throw it back across left to the far hash, 60 yards downfield? No. That's why we call them unicorns in this business. Uh, Aaron here likes your offspring reference, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic offering reference go Broncos so I think of that one all the time though you know the the more we the more we suffer you I mean you grow up I, I I tell I tell Zach and Chad behind the scenes all the time and you've you've heard me reference it before us y'all are so spoiled you know try being an Atlanta sports fan you know what it pain is I was born in Cleveland and I grew up in Atlanta I mean you want to talk about being a cynical SOB you were born in the pain and molded by it, Scott. Uh, Peyton right. hopping in. I was born in it. That's right. Dollar ninety nine super from Peyton. Uh, he goes, Locke, thank you so much, Peyton. Locke gets to the, the huddle and says, good job. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't. You know, the one thing I will say about Teddy is that on the field, you know, verbally aside, vocally aside, he is a good leader. I mean, the players respect him they they like playing for him they don't really maybe like his lack of arm talent the receivers don't but what I saw firsthand when we went to the Jets game for the MHH tailgate was that I watched Teddy the whole time and he had the command of the huddle he was always high-fiving teammates and just had the the vibe of the offense so uh, I, I love the energy that Locke brings but that's one thing that Teddy does bring to the table are his intangibles. And yeah, uh, you can't, you can't knock Teddy Bridgewater for his leadership and the respect that he commands from his teammates. I mean, that's his strongest right. trait, you know, for sure. 
Uh, you're going to have to help me with this one. I, I think we say, uh, oh, mediocre. That's what it is. <laughs> I had to read it out loud. I'm like, wait, I what's that like, say? What Once is you that? hear it phonetically, yeah. I feel if Vic doesn't go, we'll have another go. We, we, we will have another got to be a mediocre team again, no matter who we get for QB. Well, you're not going to get a quarterback if Vic's, if Vic's the coach. You're not going to get anybody to come in. Yeah, you'll have to overpay for a guy. Um, but you know, there might be a reason why Teddy Bridgewater was the best you could bring in for six round and pennies on the dollar, someone else paying three quarters of his salary, you know, for all the knock about Teddy, Teddy was cheap. Teddy didn't cost you anything. Low risk, low reward. You got what you paid for. You got what you paid for. Yeah, I agree though with the premise. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. And I'll say it again. You know, the fish rots from the head. So it, as long as Fangio is there, the more of the, of the same is going to last. doesn't matter who you have. And I would say that the only way Peyton can sell Broncos country on bringing back Vic for a fourth year is if he responds with a superstar quarterback acquisition or uh, elite offensive coordinator hiring. Even then, though. As long as you have Vic, you're you're always going to be capped as to what you can do. Uh, David Wilder hopping in with some serious. I'm assuming Scott, if I can do yep, it correctly, got some stars to say hello. Stars. Say hello, David. Appreciate the Appreciate stars. You. Want to make sure we give you a shout out. We uh, are so at thank- 55 minutes though, and we have the heads ahead. We want to get to Scott. Uh, the yeah, last one of the me- season, and you get to do the honors with me. With chat we'll out through our stars. Let me see if I'm, I'm missing anybody real quick. Uh, Leaf came in a couple times, actually. So want to say, honestly, the Broncos are nice guys of the AFC West. Yeah, the uh, you know, growing up, I was I was grew up in the '70s and '80s, and there were some you know bad boys out west that seemed to win a lot, uh, you know, in the Raiders. So um, you know, the nice guys aren't aren't really doing you a whole lot of good right now, are they, Leaf? Appreciate the the super. Um, <clears throat> Remember what Akeem Talib said? Ain't no dogs on this team a few years ago, and he's so right. And they haven't. There's still no dogs. They're, they're yeah, all pussy cats. Had a coach say, you know, you you gotta have, you know, when they talk about having some some character problems on the team, so you need a couple of guys like that in the play. You need a little bit of thug on your team. Not too many. You'll lose the you'll lose the locker room and you'll lose it. But having a couple of those guys that are gonna go a little crazy on you, having one or two of those is a good thing. And you know what? The Broncos have a guy who shows his belly. That's their biggest thug. Is Quinn Miners. They, they just don't have anyone that inspires that fear, and they don't have it from their coaching staff. We know that for sure. Yeah, and and Jacob uh, Jacob came in saying a win this weekend. Jacob Foster, appreciate you. I'm going to read this one because I can't find it right now because uh, we want to get to the head-to-heads. Uh, a win this weekend would make living behind enemy lines a little more bearable. Oh, doesn't it really, though? I mean, familiarity breeds contempt. I grew up in Georgia around all of these Georgia fans. All my friends went to Georgia. Couldn't stand it anymore. And I, I, I'm over it now by a long shot. But when I was in high school and college, man, I hated Georgia. Just behind the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, so, yeah, the familiarity breeds contempt and being around that, that, yeah, you, you certainly want to uh, you certainly want to get that win. But let's, uh, let me see if I can bring up the head-to-heads here real quick. Let me share. And we'll we'll go we'll run through these real fast. There's some green, there's some red, there's some black. It's it's very colorful. Seven and nine versus eleven and five. So Prepared share. for a lot of black on the Broncos. Share screen. We see that okay. That looks okay, doesn't yeah, that's it? That's good. Yep. Okay, so go ahead and I'll 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 riff off of you. You're used to to going through these. Uh, it's gonna be painful, but I'll I'll do my darndest, Scott. 
Uh, turnover margin, the Broncos are still in the upper half of the NFL with a plus two, tied for 13th. They are they're averaging the fifth most uh, TOP uh, output per game, uh, 31 minutes. And the Chiefs, though, right there, are seventh at 30 minutes. Uh, it, it's not even... It's come only- down, though. Didn't that used to be around 34? And it's come down because now it feels like every drive, every scoring drive against the Broncos is 17 plays in 10 minutes. It just... It just feels like the other team has the ball forever. They were completing more passes with Teddy because the passes were going two yards, so the clock was always running. But uh, the offense here, look at that black on the Broncos side. Black means league average. So in yards per game, 19th. Yards per play, 19th. Points per game, 12th. That's surprising to me, actually. Uh, Rushing yards per game, 14th. I don't... How is 19.4 points per game, 12th in the league? I'm surprised at that. Don't you think of 25 as like being about average in today's NFL? Yeah, that's that's surprising to me. Uh, 19th in passing. Look at that, though. Tied for fifth in interceptions. They've only thrown nine as a team between Drew and Teddy. That was Uh, what they wanted. They got what they wanted. They're not turning the ball over. You're not moving the ball either. And eliminated from the postseason for the sixth year in a row. Uh, (laughs) Fumbles lost, tied for 17th. Giveaways, the Broncos are not giving away the ball simply. That's the best they can do on offense. That's why they're in the green sixth. Sacks allowed 22nd, 39. And look at the Chiefs, though, with the rebuild offensive line and that supposed downturn of Patrick Mahomes. Fifth in the NFL, only 27th uh, sacks allowed. Third down, this is where they're going to get in trouble, the Broncos are, because they can't stay on the field, and the Chiefs don't come off the field on third down. Number one in the NFL, 51.8% conversion compared to 37.3 for the Broncos. Red zone, I'm surprised Kansas City is that low at 14th, but not surprised the Broncos are 22nd. (laughs) <laughs> at 56%. And if you want a case to fire Pat Shermer, just scroll through the rankings there. That's the case. Yeah, I don't think there's, you know, going going there. And you say it's league, you know, the league average is in black. That's being, there's shades of black here as you go down. Because 19th, 19th, that feels a lot closer to the red than it does to the green. Uh, when you're talking about the, the averages. And even, like I said, the 12th. I'll have to bring that up. We'll, we'll talk about it next week as we we finish things up. But 19.4 um, puts some 10 spots behind. But that's, you know, almost 10 points behind per game of the Chiefs. That's right. a ton. Yeah, I mean, that's 160 points uh, difference. That's a ton of points. Uh, and there's a reason why, you know, the big one up here, The uh, this one should be in green. <laughs> yeah. This one should be in yeah. green. And this one has a chance to be number 10. That one might finish in red at 7 and 10. Um, going to the defense. The defense. You, you just wonder, though, on offense, if they didn't play the, the the weak opponents they played, how bad would they really look? You know? Everybody. In, in the the NFL, the, the parody in the NFL, everybody plays awful teams. I mean, they're just, there's just bad football going but, on. There's, it's, so, it's so watered down. The quarterback play across the league is so bad that there's a ton of bad football teams. But Scott, here, talking about defense, uh, what I was saying about Fangio, I give the Broncos defense credit. They're a good defense, but people talk about them like the 2000 Ravens or 2015 Broncos, nothing even close to that. Look at these rankings on defense. This is the bread and butter of Vic Fangio. If there was one reason to advocate for Fangio's return, it's the defense. And look at the rankings here. Ninth in yards per game, 16th in yards per play, third in scoring, down from number one, by the way, 15th in rushing, uh, 6th against the pass, but again, you have the highest paid secondary. 
14th in intercept, what I was talking about, 23rd in fumble recoveries, 17th in takeaways, 16th in sacks, and go down a little bit, 27th on third down. So on Kansas City's side, on offense, they're number one. On the Broncos' defensive side, they are 27th in the NFL. When you're the highest-paid defense and when you're a guru like Vic Fangio paints himself out to be, that is unacceptable to have these numbers. Thankfully, they're pretty good on in the red zone. Bend but don't break, but... Well, and having done know. rankings, you realize that numerical rankings don't always tell the whole story because look at the difference in sacks between 16th and 27th. The difference of nine spots is five sacks. It's a third of a sack a game. A sack every three games is the difference in nine spots. You know, so there's really not that much difference here. There, Even though it says 27th versus 16th, the pass rush is fairly similar. And I use Zach uh, a basketball reference when talking about this. If you want to talk about, if I'm, I'm Vic Fangio, I'm going to point. I mean, we had the we had the third ranked defense in the NFL. I, I used a basketball reference. Um, there was no shot clock in college when I was a, a little kid. I know that seems like a hundred years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. The three point line and shot clock are actually kind of new to the college game, comparatively speaking. And you get a team that would come down and run a four quarters. They wouldn't score, but they'd run three minutes off the clock. Then they'd give up and someone would fast break and they'd go score. You're down to nothing. Rinse and repeat. You lose the game, but you didn't give up many points. That's this number right here. They play bend, but don't break, but they do eventually break. They bend, 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 bend. You get four, five, six yards at a time. Aside from the Las Vegas Raiders game, you're not giving up very many big plays, but they're just inching their way down the field. Death by inches, right, Zach? That's right. Little bit by little bit by little bit, third down conversion, score, and they maybe only had four possessions and a half, but they scored on three of them. And uh, you know, to me, this 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 one's a mirage. Yeah. Um, I know Nick's big on the uh, efficiency rankings, and that's where it starts looking real bad because points per possession is much higher than you would think mm-hmm. based on that number right there. Yeah, that's a special really good- teams your favorite. That's a really good analogy. One more point about the sacks, though, about the defense. You know, Scott, if you told me that the Chiefs had 30 sacks, that's not their strength, this defense. I'd be, that's actually kind of impressive. If you told me the Broncos only had five more, though, considering that's their bread and butter, I'd be like, that's not that good. So it's all relative. I love saying that. And it's one of my favorite expressions because it's true. It's all relative. You mentioned, uh, how that was a mirage. I mean, what's not on there, what's not listed are the fact that Fangio can't win a challenge to save his life, can't use a timeout (laughs) to save his life. Those are the things that really impact a game more so than just an arbitrary number on a piece of paper. I don't want to do this right now, Scott, go through specials, but I will anyway because I love pain. Uh, I'm really surprised we see any green on Tom McMahon's side of the ball. I'm surprised Tom McMahon still has a job, but hopefully not much longer. When you're kicking it mile high, that should be high. But literally, you'd think they would look at their kickoff unit. They're 32nd in return and 32nd in return against. You think maybe, guys, something's not working here. It's been at or near the bottom for most of the season. 19th in field goal percent. I don't know how that's possible when you have McManus seemingly drilling everything. 40 yards. 40 yards of return. My God. And look. Uh, comparably 19.9 it's 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 more than less than half however i want to frame that well i mean half just look at the difference the between i mean you we talk about half. hidden yardage in games and and how that makes a big difference this isn't hidden 
That's 22 yards of kickoff and field position difference between Deontay Spencer and whoever the hell you're kicking the ball off to if he doesn't kick it through the end zone. At 40 yards, you're better off just shanking the thing out of bounds. I think they they get the ball in the 40, don't they? At least you know you're only going to give up 40 yards. Oh, good Lord. The the Broncos punting average could go down because Sam Martin could be out on the CV list, and they actually worked out, guys. You might not know the name, Scott, but Colby Wadman, the punter from uh, a couple years ago, he actually worked out for the Broncos, and it might be Colby Wadmania on Saturday at Mile High. So can't wait for that. But uh, Dave Taub, the Kansas City special teams coach, he was up for the job in 2017 that went to Vance. He is one of the best special teams guys in the business. A quick little aside, when or when, not if they fire Tom McMahon, I would pluck someone from uh, top staff to run the special teams. But penalties here, surprisingly, the Broncos are fifth with only 77 committed. I don't know, is that, that's not accepted though, right? It's just committed. Um, it would be accepted because it wouldn't count. You look at the end of the day, you say three penalties for 15 yards or, you know, whatever. So if if they were declined or whatnot, um, then they, they wouldn't count on this, but yeah, it's a sign of a well-coached team. Very well-disciplined. I was just going to say, you see why stats are not the end all be all, why you can't form narratives, because that is exactly right. You always look at penalties and a team that has a lot, for example, you say they have no discipline. It starts with the coaching and there's some truth to that, but you're going to tell me that Kansas city is ranked 24th. They have bad coaching. No freaking way. Just because the Broncos are fifth, they have good coaching. No freaking way. It's this team does not turn the ball over and does not commit penalties. They're they saltines. They're, That's they're, all they are. Yeah, they, they don't take any chances. They don't take any risks. It's uh, saltines. My son loves saltines. So he goes through a sleeve <laughs> them. I got to give him a gallon of water too, or I won't see him again for a while. So the saltines, uh, I don't know. Tapioca pudding of desserts. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> might be giving Pat too much credit, but that's going to do it, though, for the Huddle Up podcast, guys. I think we got to everyone, Scott. We don't have any supers left. Yeah, if we miss you on hopper. if I miss you on stars or whatnot, we'll we'll make it up to you. We keep yeah. a good track of those. So we will. We, we're on here a lot. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll we'll make it up to you. I promise. The Huddle Up pod is coming next to you guys uh, after the game on Saturday uh, evening against the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll have the gut reaction. I believe we're doing the gut reaction on Saturday. Uh, it should be. It should same, be, yeah. Same, uh, last one of the year. So we'll see you guys then. In the meantime, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, information, rumors, transactions, breakdowns, and more at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't, guys, go to HuddleUpPod.com. Scott's not wearing any Huddle Up gear because he hates us, but we have a beanie. We have hoodies. We have coffee cups. We have everything you need in your in your collection at HuddleUpPod.com. Go there right now. Check that out. Also, Facebook.com slash Huddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter. Five bucks a month. You get instant access to Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone. I promise it's worth Every single penny and Facebook.com slash Mile Huddle Pod. Like that page. Follow that page. And if you haven't, guys, if you want a beanie, hoodie, maybe a shirt, each and every month we give away some gear, but you have to leave your football priest a five star review on Apple Podcasts for that to happen. We love to read them. We love to see what you guys are putting in there. Keep it going on Apple Podcasts. But if you can't do any of those things, we totally get it. Still love you, still care about you. Just do these three things, please, please, please. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you.
Do we have it? We're not going to do a rundown, Scott, on the uh, Facebook. No, we do. We Sorry. I don't have access to okay. the back end of Facebook for this. Uh, just want to remind everybody that tomorrow night we'll be back. I'll be in the background for Friday as Dove Valley Deep Divers. Great. So we'll we be hopping in there tomorrow night, and then the game on Saturday, the last game of the year. Thank God. And then Sunday and Monday, we should see some fireworks. Then the fun starts. We'll be back on uh, Saturday, like we said, after the game for the gut reaction. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Have a great Friday. Have a great start to your weekend. Take care. And as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.